It's Thursday, November 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, a rare treat from Motley Fool income investor James Early. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Chris. I don't think I've ever been called a rare treat before. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll savor this moment. Um, longtime listeners of our radio show are familiar with you. Uh, new listeners to Market Foolery. Uh, less so because uh, you're not on Market Foolery all that often. And for the past month or so, you've been in China. In China. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Today, I, I, I turn on CNBC and some of the guests are all twitipated about, <laughs> That's a nice word. about China's factory gauge is at a six month low. And what does this mean for investors? And I. I, 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 that's when I had to turn off CNBC and <laughs> go about my day. Well, China, China is slowing down, you know, point blank. I mean, th- there are there are many many numbers that are going to point to evidence of that. But but it's slowing down from a, a breakneck pace that is still more than twice as fast as we're used to growing here in the U.S. So so I'm not. It, it's just a matter of expectations on an absolute basis. It's still a very fast growing country. I think what a lot of Americans don't appreciate though is 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 the the tenuous nature of a lot of the Chinese growth, and, and this is evidence of my, my trip. Actually, I see a lot of these beautiful buildings, and I've been to China a number of times now. Probably spent six months there in my life total. Uh, beautiful buildings on the surface, but when you when you go in, you'll see that they might have been constructed in a way that shows that maybe the local people weren't used to building. This is a Western-style hotel, for example. The windows don't close all the way. The plumbing leaks. You know, there's some some kind of a misalignment of the doors. Uh, otherwise, it looks gorgeous. Someone clearly spent a lot of money, uh, but it's just not quite put it fitting together well. And I think that's kind of emblematic of, of the way China has grown uh, writ large. So there's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of money has gone, a lot of intention has, has gone towards growth, but the culture is is still uh, coming along. And I think we're going to see that play out over the next 5, 10, 15 years, actually. While you were over there, you talked with a lot of investors. Um, how are they feeling about China's economy in general and about the global economy? Well, the Chi- Chinese stock market, uh, first of all, Chris, is, is, tends to be retail-dominated. A lot of retails and, and insiders own the shares, not a lot of institutional investors in there at this point. So that's been in the in the toilet, basically, for the past six or seven years. So, so a lot of people are bearish on stocks there. They're, they're, they're nervous about real estate because it has gone up like more than tenfold in many cities over the past eight to ten years, and now it's starting to crest and, and come down a little bit. So there's a lot of nervousness. Where, where should they park their money? There are certain capital uh, export restrictions, so they can't just go anywhere. And I think that that tension is very real now in China. Uh, before we started taping, you mentioned um, A shares now available. What, walk me through this so and, a, and what it means for me as an investor. Sure, this is actually interesting. Uh, recently, China allowed its A shares market to be traded through Hong Kong exchanges. And, and that's significant because A-shares markets were largely A-shares the domestic market. So you and I just can't go buy an A-share. Previously, we could buy them through a qualified foreign institutional investor, but those guys have certain limitations. There are not many of them. They can only hold, I think, 10% of a company and have to hold for three months at least, at least some other some other restrictions, basically. But this, this new... Uh, deal where, where Hong Kong shares are traded on, on Shanghai Exchange and, and and A shares are traded on Hong Kong allows not just foreign money but more importantly foreign scrutiny. 
into into Chinese stocks. And, and that's, a, that's a bigger deal than I think people in the U.S. appreciate. A lot of investing in China, stock investing, is, is still looked at as something like gambling. And, and people just sell as soon as the stock rises. If that's over a week, if that's over a year, it doesn't matter. They just want to get out. It's a low-trust society. So generally speaking, the longer you hold something, the more risk you're taking. It's kind of the opposite of what we're used to here in the U.S. We talk about buy a quality long-term company, hold it for a long time, you'll make all this money, and, and look at all these people who have done this for years and years and how rich they are now. China doesn't have that history. They don't have those examples of success stories in the, in the A-shares market. You know, they have examples of people getting burned by frauds and scams. And, and it's very real and very reasonable of them to want to exit. But by opening up now, this is, is a pretty meaningful step towards that foreign scrutiny, uh, that, that sort of U.S. or Hong Kong level uh, 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 style of analysis. Just what, what these investors value in A-shares is going to be different from what traditional A-share investors have valued. So I think it's a pretty big and pretty positive step forward. That was one of the, I, I guess, bearish uh, claims uh, when it came to Alibaba, right? We have the biggest IPO in U.S. history, but people who are not buying into it and subsequently buying after the IPO, uh, or I should say not buying after the IPO, um, part of their reason was, look, this is, I'm not becoming a part owner of Alibaba. I'm becoming part owner of a shell corporation in the Cayman Islands and Jack Ma and his buddies, they're the true owners. Jack Ma, first of all, Jack, two things here. Jack Ma is, is master of the weird and the arcane structure that, that always somehow ends up benefiting Jack Ma uh, more <laughs> more than everybody else. And, uh, and that's kind of well known. Uh, the second piece, just, just more generally, is Cayman Islands or, or even Hong Kong-based shares that, 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 that are like China Mobile, for instance. There are a lot of big Chinese companies that, that we buy here in the U.S. through American depository receipts. ADRs um, that that are basically Hong Kong entities that contractually control uh, Chinese entities, and technically this violates the spirit of Chinese law. But but everybody's doing it, basically even state-owned companies, and that's a lot of what you see here. And the Cayman Islands holding structure also kind of feeds into that in a little bit more complicated way. I would be remiss uh, if I did not mention this because we we've talked about it uh, both on Market Foolery and Motley Fool Money. November 11th in China is Singles Day. Now, obviously, you're a happily married man, but I, but I'm curious. Did you witness any of? I mean, it's the biggest day of shopping in the world. Uh, what started as a holiday celebrating bachelorhood and bachelorettehood has, uh, like most holidays, morphed into an opportunity to shop. I was traveling in the time in the eastern autonomous region of Tibet, so so fortunately I was somewhat <laughs> removed from from the shopping. But I did see I did see advertisements, Chris, and it is all over the, the, the social media. I, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I, for whatever reason, when I first discovered this, I thought, really, this is the biggest, you know? But it puts Black Friday and Cyber Monday to shame. Uh, I want to talk a little bit uh, about just your trip, just c- culturally. How was it? I know that you are someone who is incredibly healthy and cares a great deal. You take great care of yourself. And so I can't help but be a little worried every time you go to China because the air quality and the number of people who smoke over there 
is astronomical. Of all the places to smoke, you know, Beijing would be last. I'm, I've, I've never smoked in my life, but but Beijing would be the last place I would want to smoke because the air is already so so bad. But yeah, it, it is everywhere, uh, especially in, in the bathrooms. It's just kind of like where they all go to smoke. Um, and, and even under no smoking sign, I mean, I think we joked earlier when you. Uh, I've had hotel rooms that clearly say no smoking, and I, I tell the person, hey, ask for a no smoking room. They say, oh, sorry, 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 and the guy will come and take away the ashtray. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and boom, that's it. Yeah, and then there, there you have it. But that's that's the culture, um, plain, plain and simple. But uh, when I was in, in Sichuan uh, and, and west towards Tibet, the air is actually very, very clean there. I mean, they're still smoking, but but the the ambient air is actually very pure, some, some of the best around, and, and the people are very friendly. It's just a totally different vibe from what you'll get in a big city in China. I think for a lot of people, if they make a trip to China, it's most likely going to be to a city like Beijing. Um, what is one off-the-beaten-path recommendation you would make for someone who has a little bit of time? You were, you were over there for several weeks, so you had the time to to get out uh, of, of Beijing and get out of the big cities. What's what's one off-the-beaten-path experience? Uh, I would do a couple of things. One, go see, don't go to the main tourist part of the Great Wall, Badaling, which is all the buses go there. There are, there are a lot of really remote places that haven't been restored. The, the Great Wall there has been kind of re remanufactured, and so it's kind of like this kind of Disneyland kind of feel, but you can go to the more authentic, kind of broken down rubble part of the wall. Which it's is a kind big of wall, cool. people. There are many, many great walls. Yeah, it's not just one place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, the Botanical Gardens is actually a surprise. I'm a plant buff, uh, so, so I really enjoyed that as well. You didn't you didn't sneak anything on the plant. You didn't like, bring any I, Chris, plants I'm, back. I'm not going to to give a direct answer to that question. <laughs> I'm just going to say in Sichuan, uh, you know, I, I love boreal conifers, and there were many, many uh, larches, uh, firs, spruces, pines. Uh, you know, many great cones. I'm just saying, uh, it, it was a beautiful thing to behold. We better wrap up now. Thanks for being here. Anytime, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.